If it's your favorite song, it should be easy to find. Please have a seat. Oh, let's do this thing. Kick it. This is that Robbie, what's this called? Guy? No, this is Tom Rosenthal. <laughs> Sounds just like that when they play it. Very kind of. Bavaria for the. It's a matter of time. A thousand it's pretty like. Uh, it was on an amazing ski video. And my, my, my now fiance and I went to see uh, a film festival. And it's actually our favourite song. But unfortunately, it's about being solo and being on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to Hello, Hello. Harry, I think you were the second person in the London team? Third, yeah, third. So uh, Tom, Tom, had just, Tom and I started at the same time, but I give him uh-huh. credit of a day. Oh, a day on me. he beat you by a day? Beat me by a day. Dude, it made all the difference. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you've gone from initial three, and Tom's now GM here. Chris is heading up other things in your My own. God, there's so many. Oh, the places you'll go. I mean, it's incredible when you see, you know, as people join, especially when we moved here. Mm-hmm. You now you really feel like you know we're really up and running and going, and mm-hmm. people who've been here six months are really running their running their world and running their corner and growing and. Great. Have you listened to some of the Hello Hello podcast? I have, yeah. You have? Yeah. I think Not you're. Recently, I think you're. Time. You're certainly my first European hotel leader to put on this thing. You might be the seventh or eighth okay. in total. So people might struggle with my accent. It's going to be hard to understand you. Can you enunciate properly, please? I don't Hereford, have an accent. Hereford, Hereford, yeah. Hartford, Hereford. Hereford Cathedral. <laughs> well, welcome. Um, if you have listened at all, then you have a sense for how uh, it goes. Mm-hmm. And it starts with your time in the service. In the army? or Yeah, what do you call it? Of, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. In the time. Queen's service? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, so I, I went to university. I did... Degree in architecture and degree in real estate. Oh, you did! I didn't know that. Yeah, so I'm. Yeah. You did that before the army. Did that before the army. What? Um, and does that make you an unusual military man to be like an architect? Yeah, got a few. Yeah, not did many, they make you like decorate the barracks and stuff? Well, I thought about joining the Royal Engineers and, and building things, but uh, I actually joined the infantry. I went to Sandhurst, which is um, that West is Point the spot. Yeah. Um, Legendary. So did a, did a institution. Year and I went to Afghanistan about two months later. So. Really? So you were deployed? We've spoken mm. about this a little bit, but mm. I didn't know. Yeah, so did you guys like, yeah. see the terrible shit? Like the, the, the British yeah. military was like there doing stuff? Or you yeah, guys I mean, were like was, sweeping up? No, I was in infantry fighting. So I had a platoon of 50 blokes. And we had my own base and we'd go out fighting and come back every day and Sweet go out again. And Jesus. So yeah, and I was the only officer in one of 50 and I had to you know, keep them safe, keep them happy, keep morale high. Keep them going in the right direction. And this was a time where there was no Facebook. There was, no one had a phone. We were literally on, on, on our own. So you were deeply out of touch with home, you mean? Yeah. Or with yeah, each other? Home. You don't uh, run, the, you don't run home, a unit on home. Facebook. Okay. With yeah. home. So one phone call a week, home. Just call home on Sunday night. My lord. Uh, yeah. yeah so. I loved it. I mean, it's the most basic, uh, basic existence you can have. You get up in the morning. You go on patrol. Don't you make your bed? Sleeping bag. Real? Oh, wow. It's like, wow. Uh, but you, you, it was a case of um, fight, eat, sleep. Do it again every day. 
Wow. But it was the most basic, right, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Wow. And I was very lucky when my soldiers came back safely. Uh, a few of my friends oh, didn't. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, no. Uh, so, but you know, it's, you kind of prepared for it. it, do, it do, it's very different. Why did you, you go to Sandhurst? Um, I wanted to lead, lead men and test myself. I think that's the, the ultimate test you can do. Uh, of yourself. So you were like sitting around making drawings, doing architecture, studying Mies van der Rohe, all this, and you're like, this is this is wanky. I want to go do something. Yeah, pretty much. I was pretty sporty. Um, I quite like the outdoors. A uh, few of my family had been in the army, so that was kind of, they weren't, they haven't been in it for a while, but they've done it. Um, and they had good things to say about it, like, Harry, this could be a yeah, thing like for it. you. Yeah. And most of them, I think it's a fantastic thing to do for a bit. So in the UK, a lot of army officers join for three to five years mm -hmm. and will leave and go and do other things like myself. The American army is very different where people, it's mm -hmm. much more of a career. Mm -hmm. Not to say the standard's any different, but it's a different type of person. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the UK, a lot of people who come and work in London have done it. Fortunately, at the time, you know, we, we were, we got from Iraq to Afghanistan, so if you joined as a young officer, you would go and do what you were trained to do. There's nothing worse than, you know, joining the army and nothing's going on. Although it sounds a bit bizarre, you, you know, you want to, it's like me, not building any spaces when they turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. action. It's exactly the same. For action. Yeah, it's the same, same thing. Huh. Um, okay, so you raise your hand, you want to go for it, and you knew that you would likely be deployed. This was the age of. Yeah, I mean, there's very, very few people didn't. Wow. But uh, you, you joined the army because you knew you wanted to go away. Uh -huh. um, very different to now, I think. Uh -huh. um, Do you think of it as a courageous decision? I think it's quite a selfish decision when oh. you go to friends funerals you kind of see how we were all quite young men and everyone wants to do it for a bit of you know prove themselves and a bit of adventure but you don't think about your family back at home and only really ha hits home at you know at unfortunate times um it's a young man's game i think as soon as you have family and you know proper relationships it doesn't really work um, and friends of mine who are still in you know struggle with that I think. saying goodbye to your mother when you were deployed it must have been a uh, yeah, that's right. She, she knew it was coming. Wow. Um, but, yeah, it's difficult in family, I think. Mm. Very difficult. Um, so you show up first day, Sandhurst, uh, and it was relaxing. They gave you some books to read. You put your feet up. What was it like? So, uh, n yeah, no, not really. So you have a colour sergeant, and a colour sergeant is a senior soldier. So he's been in the Army 20 years. Uh, but you're an officer, a cadet, so you're technically higher up the rank but he calls you sir or mister and you call him colour sergeant and then if you finish at the end of you finish after a year you finally become a second lieutenant um, but it's a very much um, break you down and build you back up again ah so you show up and the guy beats the crap out of you yeah pretty much yeah it's pretty you like pretty run good. he shouts at you, yeah, you run yeah, some four more push-ups four hours of sleep for wake you up in the night time start ringing a bell yeah like, yeah. the, like, very, like what I might have seen in the movies. I exactly, mean, but I, the army is very forward thinking. Actually, it's not full metal jacket nowadays. It's very much more. You know, they really want to you know, push you and push your push your abilities and, and learn on that. But Sanders is a you know it's a, one of the best places for management skills and leadership, um, and so that really brings that out of you every year. And you you know you, you but you finish after a year and you you think you know everything and actually. You're the very I mean, what could you possibly have learned in only a year? But like, so the the personal journey, the, like the physical and emotional self destruction that you probably have to 
get past mm -hmm. to be reconstructed as one dimension. But then there's like a social, interpersonal dimension too, I guess. Mm -hmm. You're saying management. It's not just self-management. Yeah, you, you meet, I mean, you meet, the one thing the, the army is best for is you meet people from the most, the massive variety of backgrounds, social backgrounds. Um, and Even in the fancy officer training thing? Yeah, not so, I mean, not so much. Most people, to get to officer training, they have to have, um, you know, a certain grades, school grades or mm -hmm. university grades. So there's less of a mix of soundness. But you've got to remember the, the kind of sergeant who's training you actually when he was 20 years ago was a you know a uh, pretty tough young soldier from uh -huh. a complete different background to to where we from the streets yeah exactly. i mean could yeah. be anyone it's like yeah, a job for i mean in a way the the amazing thing about the militaries around the world is they've figured out of course their mandate was to put people on the field and they couldn't be overly choosy about who mm. they might recruit mm. into their ranks mm. and in, in a way it, it is a machine for taking any kind of person mm -hmm. and putting them to good use. Exactly. With effective leadership and management, mm. it works. Um, but I, my, my, you know, I, I, so I was in charge of, you know, I got given a platoon as soon as I left Sandhurst. How many um, guys is that? So it was about 50. So it's, oh. quite, it's quite a big platoon because we were going to Afghanistan. And uh, you have this relationship between... Had you been in front of 50 people before you were assigned these 50? Like, how did they train yeah. you to go stand in front of 50 people and lead well, them? Well, you do, you, you do it gradually. So you, you, when you started training, you'd be giving orders, for example. So, like, we have a weekly meeting, but you're giving orders. This is the plan this week. This is what mm -hmm. we're going to do. It would be slightly different. And, right, we're going to go and ambush the baddies. And that's, you know, how... So you start with eight people. You build up to 16. And maybe at the end, you'll do a platoon. And um, you could be asked to go and do... for companies 130 150 and you mm -hmm. you just get gradually used to it and there's a case of um some people are better than others but everyone's got to do it um and it really it's a very good you know lesson in uh -huh. public speaking uh, but i mean i still get nervous public speaking you just learn to deal with it yeah yeah i think everyone does i mean i do i mean mm -hmm. there's I, I if you speak to folks that seem like they do it all the time like they all feel something yeah. It's just a question of how you manage yeah. the appearance of that feeling and, and manage your conduct, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. So giving an order, is there some, like, utterly basic entry level? Well, I've tried to, um, I've kind of introduced a thing here with my, with the supply ops team, which is we, yeah, we talk through everything we're going to do this week, but we give a, something called a main effort. And the idea of the main effort was that if everything else in battle fail is the one thing you have to achieve mm -hmm. so if everything else fails but we need to get to the top of the hill we get to the top of the hill and so we have you know weekly meetings and, and then I say at the end of it right if, the, if nothing else happens this week the one thing we'll achieve so that's the first bit but the second bit is give it give everyone that common goal mm -hmm. so that you really want to there's one way of doing it where if you think of the Chinese army conscription and like this is where we're going to do it you, tell everyone, you literally tell everyone exactly what they're going to do. There's another thing we, we really push in the British Army as well as American Army, it's called Mission Command, whereby um, someone, I would, I'm given, uh, I, the GM here tells me, this is what we're going to do, we're going to build space. But he allows you the trust and empowers you to then do it the way you want to do it. So he leaves you alone. He, uh, he obviously, you check in with him when he can, but he allows you the freedom to really push forward. And that's, that's fundamentally the biggest thing I've learned in the army is empowering people, whatever level, to do it. So it could be a junior soldier, the most basic junior soldier, 
who you say, right, this is whatever else you do, this is what we want to get to. We're all going the same direction, but if everything else fails, this is what we want to achieve. Battles are not won at the green table? They're not run at the green table because everything, you know, there's a famous quote of um, plan never survives contact with the enemy. You know, as soon as you try and do something with someone else involved that's out of your, um, out of your, your, your thought process, you have friction and everything changes. And then you have to start again and you have to think on your feet. Um, and so when you're building processes, then you, know, you have to understand that at some point something will happen. Quite and interesting it goes, that goes at the agility, the way we operate. In it's quite interesting that it would get all the way to the front line, most junior soldier, that you would expect them to solve their own problems. So if you, if you, th- you think back to um, Second World War D-Day, um, you think of parachutes, American parachuters, British parachuters jumping out of planes. Um, and a lot of them got lost, jumping out of plane in a different place. Um, to where they were meant to, but down to the junior junior soldier knew his job was to get to that bridge, and in the end, most of them got there. However way they got there, but they knew they had they had to, and, and then you know jobs get missions get accomplished. Um, I think our so I think that we use a language that has some mm. rhymes with this, uh, but I do often find it surprising how people don't want to figure it out sometimes. Sometimes they want to be told how to do it. And far more often than I'd expect, actually, you'd think that folks would appreciate the license to go hunt for the best solution. Some folks, I I wonder what their obstacle is. I wonder if you've seen the pattern. I I think it's fear of failure. Mm. It's, 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 if they're, it only works if, if they get it wrong. Their boss, their manager says, hey, you got it wrong, but I trusted you and it's my responsibility. It's the only way it happens because, obviously, you know they they, they uh, you know if you think at the basic level they they've got a job they want to be there for you know they want to stay there they want to progress in their career and so it's less you know, they're fearful of losing a job ultimately that's they're fearful of making a mistake yeah but I mean then you try it again then you try it again that there is some kind of there has to be a desire to overcome that yeah I think it's a it's a anxiety. training training it's a management development thing you start it with something small and really Mm. you increase it but there will always be people who just want to follow orders there are always soldiers I met who didn't want to promote and they were pretty happy in their world and that's fine but um, the more of the crime is people who want to progress who aren't allowed to because they're forced down and they're battered down I think it's much more of a dangerous thing because as a company then you, you, the most important thing are the people, the people you're developing and pushing forward, um, because ultimately they're the ones delivering. And if they feel empowered and they're going to go that extra mile, then then you'll be in a much better place. The lazy general, lazy Bell. general. There's uh, hardworking and lazy soldiers. Right. Uh, there's clever and simple soldiers. Okay. And the ones you want most and the ones you want least. Right. I guess the ones you want least are the simple and hardworking, because they'll get up to all kinds of nonsense. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd prefer someone who's lazy and just waiting for orders if they're simple. And yeah. I think it's a formulation from uh, a bunch of these ideas. I mean, I think the German general staff in the 19th century, von Moltke mm-hmm. and others, mm-hmm. 
and he's like, okay, you, 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 take a, you take a lazy, simple fellow over one who's too industrious because yeah. that guy will start screwing up. Yeah. Lazy soldiers yeah. are, are a recipe for disaster. Lazy, intelligent soldiers who Those. get up to it. Yeah, get up to it. So that, and that's the same thing. It's keeping them, that's a management thing, of keeping them occupied, keeping them, you know, using that, that energy. And well, that the surprising idea from Von Malka is someone who's very clever. If they're too industrious, they'll do things the hard way needlessly. Yeah. If they're very clever and they're actually rather lazy, they will go find for you the easiest way to get it done. Is quite mm. quite a surprising mm. formulation for officers, probably yeah. not for the, the folks that you send off yeah. to you know clean up the, the barracks. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah how, how do you feel when you see a, a lazy general, the lazy officer? My last job in the army actually, I was a, what we call an ADC, he's a private secretary to a general, who's a you know he's now head of the army. He's a phenomenal individual. Oh wow! Um, and we had a had a great time. Um, and there are, to, to be honest, I haven't seen many lazy generals. I mean, the, there's a reason you get to being a general, um, because you've, you've, you, you are intelligent, you've worked hard, and people trust you, and people, you know, you've been empowered. But there are generals who are pretty stuck in their ways, and in a modern world that where you're changing as, as well as the army, as well as a, a company, you know, if you don't adapt and move, especially with what we do in terms of you know, really competing with traditional leases where you've got these generals sat on their estates who like doing 15, 10-year leases and don't want to do anything else and suddenly have to start wake, you know, waking up a bit and um, having to get off their chairs a bit and realise that times are changing and people don't want, don't want what they're offering. Um, Another theme for you on this is um, when you're getting to a level of scale in these units that you, that you had to be in charge of, you don't have a direct relationship with all 120 guys at every moment. You have some kind of structure, presumably, that you're, you're trying to navigate. So you've got, you know, maybe it's two platoons if you have 100, if it's a company, or there's a bunch of other internal structure. And, and at, at, some, at, at some level, there, you must run into some of the same stuff we see in, in just normal life, the, the kind of interpersonal and territorial, and maybe just style differences between people. Um, and if, if giving an order has some really basic mechanics, and if... Have, having somebody find the way to fail and therefore to be enterprising yep. has some basic mechanics. I wonder um, what your feelings are about you know the first time you see uh, the rival rivalry between uh, the officers who report to you. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, the young officers. I remember having so if, it, if you had a company, you'd have three platoons, and each platoon would have a platoon commander. And I remember having three platoons, three platoon commands, who were all very different. And they're all very good at different things. Um, I think you suffer slightly more when they're all very good at the same thing and no one's very good at the other, mm. all the other tasks. Um, but in terms of competitive, you know, the mm-hmm. competitive, competitiveness is always, is always good, as long as it's managed properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it drives you along. Um, at the end of the day, the, the, the success is based on the success of all of you. Um, so you need to really manage the way that if people are fighting within that, you know, they need to be given the, the proper route to, to go forward and explain that we'll you know, get in the right direction. Um, but it's, yeah, I think, 
it's really developing those people to work alongside each other and people have different skills and um, sometimes you, there are, you get bad eggs and people don't want to work within that team or mm-hmm. don't, don't want to hand over anything or, or trust each other but invariably if you get that main effort you get everyone going in the right direction and you give them enough space to really push on um, people will you know people will invariably be much the better for it um, and the whole company and whole organisation goes in the right direction it's a bit abstract Harry very abstract keep it abstract <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I guess you're describing a, a natural fact about groups working together even highly capable people sometimes they're the same sometimes there's differences they have some rivalry there will be some territorial behaviour your job as leader is to orient them towards the overall goal remind them of it and you mentioned giving them some space to run so perhaps letting them divide and, and chase after different aspects of their... Yeah, um, I think so. No, I think that's mm-hmm. definitely the right. Um, if your personal, if your goals that you have are um, based on other people, then mm-hmm. it's always going to be pretty tricky. So you need to give people the space to, to really own their own OKR objectives or, you know, that, that way if we're going to think, yeah. think, think in terms of the, 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 um, the kind of company sense... Um, but there's always going to be an interconnectedness. And so that's why you need to always have the overarching. Hey, you can go off and you're going to push this bit. Mm-hmm. But we're all, we're, yeah, this is where the direction is. And so it's so key for that person at the top. I used to call it, I used to describe having three bulldogs on the lead. You know, you'd, you'd, that was your three teams, as it were. You'd let one bulldog off and he'd go and do his job. And he'd come back and he'd let another one off. And that's purely what it is in, t- in a miniature sense. And you get more, more, more bulldogs or bigger bulldogs, um, and you let them off and get them back in. But you had, always have to be able to make sure you could get them back in, and they didn't fight amongst each other. How how long ago is this now? How long have you been out? So about two and a half years. Oh, not that long. You joined yeah. shortly after having been. Yeah, so I uh, so I left the army, had a year somewhere else, and came here. Oh yeah. yeah Where'd you go right after? So I went to Breather. So oh right, which is yeah. sort of in the property field exactly, and yeah, whatever here in yeah. London, um, oh, which yeah. is really really enjoyable. Yeah, and then um, but I wanted to do, yeah I wanted to do more construction. That's what I yeah, and maybe their so. pace over here wasn't uh, keeping. Yeah, they, I think it was an unfortunate time. I, I, they're a really good bunch. I really enjoyed it, but um, I joined just as the pace was kind of changing. Mm. Um, and for me, I want to be part of you know something really growing. And How'd you get construction in your head? So I guess architecture, design, like an interest and passion in buildings and all that. Then you were in the military. I don't think you were building too much stuff. You so I did. So I did real estate degree, real estate masters. So right. I did a lot of development within that, uh-huh. um, and then in kind of background, I've done you know done up houses. I've worked on. I see. Um, so this is just an enduring passion for you. Yeah, like, um, the built environment. Yeah, you know, but um, getting but getting into it and off the, away from the desk is, I guess, the way this is a bit different. Yeah, yeah, which is which is easier. No so Yeah, I put my walking shoes in in the morning rather than put them on yeah. on the way to work. Um, okay, so you haven't been out that long, and so I wonder what your perspective is on on the following topic. One of the great luxuries. of a people machine like the army is there is a really powerful norming force Mm -hmm. where there are a bunch of just expectations everyone's going to have been trained they know how to take an order they know what to do Mm -hmm. and they know what the consequences will be there's a certain level of discipline that's already been trained into them and you have some mechanics that you've been trained on as a a leader on how to reinforce those and perhaps get the most from people but you can expect a quite uniform audience when you're 
at it. And even so, you were mentioning some of your platoon leaders are a bit different from each other, and it's, it's very true that people are different. One of the things that is a unique, not unique, but it's just different from the military, I guess, and perhaps it's a unique aspiration for us, is that we'd like to go well beyond the presumption that everyone's the same in our staff. And I wonder if you've encountered the, the frustrations of that once you've started finding that people were different and they were allowed to ignore you or come in late or just to have some of the basic rough edges of human behavior that are different yeah. from your discipline system, or even you know, to be women or to be inexperienced with the command and control type, or even sport. I mean, one of the men spend a lot of time in sport when they're growing up, and some women do, but it's a relatively newer phenomenon, and not that many of them have been exposed to that sort of locker room and you know battle on the field and pals off the field and some of these things that I think men assume to be true in mm-hmm. their dealings with each other. And I wonder just what your experience has been going from a place where everyone's the same to the real world again, and then even our more demanding mandate here, which is not even to be the same as the rest of the world, but to be a bit better and to include a lot more different people. I think I think going back to the beginning, when everyone in the army wears a uniform, everyone looks the same. But actually underneath there is there is a lot of variety. And even you within a group you might be pretty similar, but there's a, probably another group that's very different, all of them with the, with the same big organisation, but you are actually quite different. I think um, you know, when I came out of the army, definitely you, you. Everyone is trained to a basic level whereby you give an order, and people expect to follow it within reason. Um, and so you come to an environment where, this, you know, other jobs I've done before, not so much here, is that you you kind of give an instruction, and and it doesn't either happen on the timeline that you expected it to happen, or maybe in a different way. And actually, I often would say that it's probably my fault for not explaining it properly or setting enough of a you know, um, um, uh, enough expectation on giving it clear enough. Um, but I think within, I think inherently people are, the people we I've worked with here are good people and we're all building something and moving in the right direction. I think sometimes the pace that we work out, people don't quite expect it. And so when you have to be really careful in the hiring process, if you like, hey, look, we are, we are a fast-paced company. And we, but the fantastic thing is what, we, what we've built here in London is representative, I think, of, you know, there were three of us at the beginning and we've added more people. And so what you see here, look around. And I take, um, you know, I take Monica into a designer here. You know, she, she has come up with the no-tell look in London. You know, so that kind of phenomenal ability to do that, which she wouldn't be able to do anywhere else, but you know, she's been trusted and proud to do so, and you see, see what it is, it is today. Um, but there will always be, you know, the, the separations and differences of people. But actually, if you can embrace that properly, then it leads into a much better, more fun, creative working environment. And we are doing things differently here. We are doing things differently to, you know, in a, we're in a real estate world that's gone ticked along for a long time and you only have to look at people in the office here the kind of management team coming from all sorts of places no one's really come from one of the big real estate houses um, and the reason that means you can look at it in a very we know we want to get to and we know um, we know the final result and we question everything you know, why, why, why is that the case and a lot of but you know, really say people we speak to. Well, that's the way it's done, and that's well. Why? Why can't we speed it up? Why can't we do it differently? And so it gives you that real um, ability to question things and, 
Um, but it's been a, a bit of a journey. I mean, speaking to people when we first started here in London, oh, with, you're from Motel, who are you? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think only in the last few months, it really has, has people, you know, seen what we're up to. And so there was a lot of, oh, it might work in New York, but that'll never work here. Yeah. And then we go, and then we are. Um, so, yeah, going on 200,000 square feet, and I'm, we've got another... 150, 200 in planning, just planning alone. Oh, incredible. Um, so, yeah, it's... This next few months, I think, will be a, a, a signature time period where we go from uh, huge expectations to actually just having large scale. We've been building, 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 and over the last few months, it started becoming clear what is possible for us here, and I think it's just going to be bananas. I mean, the team has grown so much just in the last few months, and um, now I think you can talk about the old days when it was just a few of you and you were off in Whitfield Street or whatever and you, you can start defining a little bit the lore and culture of this mm-hmm. place as you expand and you're only a few dozen now, I think it'll be a hundred or a year, you know, another 12 months or 15 months it will change so much and I, I wonder how you think about your collective self-identity uh, here in London and in contrast maybe with New York where there's a bunch of people that have been there a long time and then other places where perhaps you haven't overlapped quite as much, you know, like the San Francisco team or the Berlin folks or I mean, we so we have we have we've had a well, New York team here now, and we had a lot of them last week. There is a there is a there, there is always going to be a fundamental difference in how countries operate, codes, laws, and so a lot of the time is spent kind of educating each other on how it's done in the US and how it's done here and how Dublin, Amsterdam, different Berlin, it's a whole other kettle of fish, um, and educating people up. But but generally, it's that, and I think six months ago there was a definite belief of this is how it works in, in the US and this is how it works everywhere else. And it takes a while to, you know, to educate everyone, you know, and this is this is the way this is the way it needs to be done in London for for whatever reason. But there's always, you know, it goes both ways and I think being being all being new to it, you do look at it in a more logical uh, way than the traditional pathways. Right, instead uh, of just knee-jerking back to your colleagues in another city saying, no, 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 this is how we do it, yeah. you are able to inspect its reality and then make some, you know, colder temperature analysis. Uh, what, what would you say is, give me something surprising to your New York colleagues that to you was, like, obviously the case here in London. I mean, I guess we use feet here. Uh, so we have some things in common. What's different? What, what do we... I mean, I think the uh, the fact that the landlords don't build anything. We <laughs> right. build everything here. So we possess a space on day one. We have to do the build. Mm. Um, and so as soon as, you know, as a business, the, the quicker and easier we can do that build and get in there, mm. then it opens, you know, that's, we're paying for that time. Um, we have rent-free periods, which is quite funny. People sometimes, um, sometimes in terms of real estate, don't understand. Um, but I think that's the main one. The if there's something in a different geography, whether it's the US or uh, in the rest of Europe, that you've noticed that you wish we could do in London, what would you like? What norm would you like to bring? I'm Maybe amazed how quickly you can hire people in America. Oh, really? Because we are, you know, my team is ever growing, and it, but it, people are on three month notice periods. Oh, my If Lord. you want good people, you've got to stick it out for you know a month two months three months wow and a month is a minimum so if you want good people you've got to you've really got to get on it early um and that's the way it is and nothing nothing we can do will change that 
um, because that's a statutory statutory law. If you had your pick of an assignment away from London for a bit, uh, what would it be? Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the time that, like, because we're coming from zero there, or because, because you like yeah. the Dutch, or well, it's a combination of having done it in London here. It would be much easier doing it again from the scratch because I'd know what to do straight away, build the structure really rather than feed it throughout. Um, I think the Dutch are great people. Um, my, Very direct. My fiance could work there, which would be great. Ah. Um, she loves it, and um, we're both six foot four. So well, she's six foot two, but we both fit in, I think. And they play cricket. Do you well. think it's a they tr- really? They do. <laughs> yeah, the Dutch have got a cricket team. Seriously, yeah, have they ever won anything? Um, it, do you think it's a, a part of the the knitting of the folks that are attracted to our company that they would like to see the world? I don't know if that's a... Uh, they say that in the American Navy. Mm-hmm. See the world during the Navy. <laughs> there, there are no windows in the boat. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when people join the company, they go, they get on board in, Amer- in New York. I think it's really important seeing the size we are there mm. and understanding the, the kind of market we dominate there. Um, but absolutely, I, and I think it, it's the best practices. You've been people have been here for a while; they know the in, ins and outs. New markets would grow significantly quicker because they wouldn't have to be getting onboarded on processes, figuring or, everything out. Yeah. You plug them straight in. Um, and I know, you know, I, I was helping out at Berlin in the beginning, and it, it was much easier because we we knew the people to speak to and get that going. Um, and I think. I mean, that's what people people nowadays in our kind of generation want to move and are prepared to move. You just look at our office here. Um, Chen flew in from Australia, who's our workplace strategist. Um, we've got an architect joining tomorrow who's flown in from San Francisco, and you know they they want to be able to move around. And then people, other people from all sorts of sorts mm. of places. If you could borrow, like, what are a couple of the roles you have open that if you could borrow someone from one of our uh, other established markets, you might like to borrow? Three months, six months. Well, I think. Ooh. I know a lot of the interior design team in New York wants to come to London. Oh, yeah. I know that they've yeah. been in the vibe for a while. Um, I think some of the project managers. I mm. think it'd be really interesting um, in terms of that. In terms of that level. Fortunately, we just hired the one. The one. The jobs that I really need, we've just hired for. Uh, but I think some of the sales team as well. I think you know it could be. Just we had we had a few over at Christmas, and they were just. Just again, they looked at it because they're not from the market. They look at it a very logical, logical way. Um, but I, I cannot rec- recommend London enough. I mean, it's sunny outside. <laughs> Today is um, an amazing it's day. Amazing. To be in Summer's coming. It's only May. Summer um, in London. The ashes is awesome. are coming. The cricket's coming soon, so people can come in. And I'm planning to be here. Um, is the is the ICC here? It's the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. World Cup. I think I'm going to come and see India, Pakistan, or something like that. Oh, I mean, you'll struggle getting tickets. Yeah, uh, we can. Yeah, I'm sure we can. I have I have a ticket to a less good match. I think it's like Pakistan, Bangladesh, or something like that. You wrote the same. I might be going. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Well, we just installed a massive screen, projector screen. Ah, so it'll be so on. It'll be on. So everyone's invited for June, and um, there's a couple specific roles that people might pitch in on. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend. I yeah, highly recommend coming over. Um, and I think it's you know people who've just experience something new and bring bring something new to the party. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know, we're, we're, we're an international company. I think there should be movement movements around. Well, let's consider that the advertisement for Notel London. <laughs> Everyone listening is invited.
Thank you, Harry. It's been great having you on. Thank you. Hello, hello. Thank you.